Welcome to the Wanting It More podcast. I am your host, Janet Denton-Howes, and it's an absolute delight to have you here. I'm a marriage and intimacy educator, as well as a creator of the Wanting It More program, which has helped thousands of women who are married to men want and enjoy it more in the bedroom. You know, having low desire was something that I personally struggled with for years in my marriage, so I absolutely get it all. You are not alone. Just a heads up, I use all the words in this podcast, so if you've got little ears around or you're in public setting, you may want to pop in some earbuds. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Wanting It More podcast. I am Jenna, and today I am talking with Ellen. Ellen did Wanting It More last round. So that was in the summer, well, my summer of 2023. Um, So Ellen, you ready to talk about your sex life? (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Before we dive in, why don't you let us know a little bit about yourself? Okay, thank you. So I'm Ellen. I'm 40-something years old, and I live in the north of England. I'm married, and I have three children. And yeah, I'm very happy to have recently done the Wanting It More course. and I'm very happy to be here chatting about it. Oh, that's great. And I just do want to acknowledge that it does take a lot of courage. We were talking before this podcast started about how, um, Ellen, you had listened to the podcast before you did the program. Yeah, I did. And I found it so helpful to hear some of the stories of some of the women who are going through this process. And it was so helpful for me to hear real examples and have people talk genuinely about their relationship rather than lots of um, coded language or, you know, in the bedroom and like, what does that mean? What happens? What's it like? So I think for me, it was so helpful to hear some of those real stories. So yeah, I feel like I'm wanting to give the opportunity to other people to hear how it's been for me and for my husband too. Mm, and thank you. I just want to acknowledge, you know, your courage and also all the other women and men who come on the podcast. And it does take a lot of courage. It is, there is always that question, are my friends going to hear this? What are they going to think of that? And <laughs> it's a real, it's a real thing. So, so we're changing the world together. We are breaking through the silence. For sure. And if any of my friends are listening, you're welcome to talk to me about this, but please do it politely. I'm a bit nervous. I hear you. I'm in the process right now of writing a book, my book, and it's becoming very memoir-esque. A lot of very detailed stories. And I have to keep reminding myself Mm. the whole time, this is in service of a greater purpose. And I can do this. I can do this act of courage and vulnerability. Um, Although I do keep on thinking about my teen daughters reading it. So (laughs) that's something I'm going to need to work through. (laughs) Maybe you need to give them an age at which they are allowed to read it. Or maybe you can say, no, you're allowed to look at this. I mean, they could certainly be listening to this podcast. And, and, but I think they do stay very far away from my work at this stage. Um, It's still like, ew, mom, could you just (laughs) open a different career? (laughs) Okay. Well, what was your sex life like, not only before you took the program, but just maybe some of your early experiences uh, growing up? Did you have education from parents? Um, mm-hmm. When did you first start becoming sexually active? What, you know, yeah, what was your uh, your history? 
Okay. So I guess probably more than many people, my, my parents did talk to me about sex and about relationships. My dad particularly was amazing on that. I can remember him telling me about periods and what was happening inside my body at different stages. And so he had this book, um, it's called The Baby Book, and it was designed for pregnant women to look at you know, the diagrams of the different parts of the body and I remember him showing me a picture of the heart and how the heart worked and then just going on to the genitalia and what the different parts were and where babies you know grew and how they came out and for me that's so precious I'm so thankful for that and um, so that was a really healthy start um, my mum not so much didn't really say a lot <laughs> um, but I yeah for me that all went along with being raised in a Christian family so Whilst my dad was very keen to tell me about what was happening in my body, it was very clear that this is not for now. This is for later when you're married, um, which, yeah, there are definite benefits that come with that. But it also can, um, I think for me, probably led to me feeling like that wasn't really for me until much later in life, so even when other friends were like exploring their bodies or exploring sexual elements of relationships I just didn't feel like that was anything of interest for me at all um yeah so some kind of good messages but as with all all families all cultures you know there are some things that are tricky with that too so yeah so for me then um growing up in that church culture um there was definitely this idea that boys probably would be exploring their bodies and would be doing all these things because boys are boys, girls won't, because girls just aren't interested in these things, girls just won't. Um, so, was, which is in general culture anyway, but I think that was overlaid by the church culture, which maximised that, I think, and probably really settled that in my head and my expectations, really. So then teenage years kind of casual boyfriends not really very physical at all and then until I met um my husband and I guess that was the first time I really felt I had any interest in kind of exploring sexual feelings or touch together so yeah it was great to meet him and feel safe with him and kind of have that interest of sharing that part of learning together um, so we did wait until we were married to have sex um, and we I guess yeah we kind of stuck to what we said we would do for that which was our decision but obviously strongly influenced by the culture we were in um, and I am thankful for the fact that it meant we had a really solid connection like we we talked about everything and we were kind of had this a really good connection which I I guess you know had we had sexual experiences together maybe that could have changed our approach to like clouded judgment maybe I don't know that's what we're told <laughs> um yeah however when we reached our point of getting married whilst we were both really very excited for this and you know been making steps towards we kind of yeah, I felt really positive about what was coming, but actually we were unable to have penetrative sex from the yeah, day of our wedding. So that was really confusing and 
I kind of I guess we didn't really know what was happening or what wasn't happening. We just had no frame of reference for it. Um, so that was kind of gutting, really. Um, I felt like we really cheated of what should have been a great experience for us. And I think especially because we'd waited for it. And yeah, that was hard. Um, so we kind of, yeah, various muddling along, trying to work out what on earth we're we doing, what on earth is going on, even feeling like, are we really married? Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Um, for over two years. Um, but then eventually, I don't quite know what change we found we were able to have penetrative sex. Um, yeah, so I guess from the beginning of our relationship, that's that's just it's just been complicated. And whilst we have you know made progress in that in many ways, it's it's never been straightforward and easy for us. So that's the yeah, that's been hard and sad and really has coloured so much of our relationship, really, I think. When you say you weren't able to, was it painful for you? I think now I'd understand it as vaginismus, um, but it, it felt really like there was no opening in me that, um, so not even, I wouldn't even say painful, it, it just, it just wasn't possible, there was just no way for him to go. <laughs> you can shove as, as hard as you want, but nothing's going in. Oh, I mean, that's not very romantic, kind of, yeah, um, so I guess then as we kind of tried to figure out what's going on here. We've, as far as we know, got all the right body parts. We've just kind of got to work out how to fit things together. Then I would say, yeah, there's definitely a sense of it being um, very painful for me. And um, yeah, I guess then as we continue to try to explore that, then obviously we kind of were building up this expectation of it being difficult which only increases the problem really hmm. so yeah and did you go to your doctor or what what was the first step how did you go from sort of like not even knowing what was going on to to working on it together <laughs> not at all we did nothing <laughs> I guess I would say that any any progress we did make was just from me going like we must be able to do something like I, I guess I always believe somehow it would get better at some point but I think in a strange way I wasn't really taking myself or us seriously enough to um, seek help or I guess I didn't even I didn't really know what we were dealing with so I didn't really even know where to start yeah. um, which looking back just feels utterly ridiculous like why why didn't we just go and I don't know. I don't know what I, should, what I thought I should have done. Oh, but we know why, because it's so, I mean, who are you going to talk to? And then. Exactly. Were you, were you, I mean, I would probably start thinking, gosh, is there something wrong with my vagina? Like, is it. Absolutely. Is, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And actually years later, actually after we'd had our first child, um, I'd had a sexual health an appointment at the sexual health clinic just for a regular smear test and 
in that appointment, the nurse had just casually said, any problems? You know, is there any painful um, experiences when you have sex? And I just immediately burst into tears because nobody would ever asked me. I'd never said that to anybody at all. And um, yeah, just dissolved. <laughs> she looked really surprised. Um, so I just said, yes, actually, it's it's always painful because even when we were then able to have penetrative sex, it we couldn't rely on that being possible. So if we start, um, you know, time of intimacy together, we'd kind of hope we would be able to, but it wasn't always guaranteed. And even when we were able to, it was usually really uncomfortable for me, not all the time, but it was never just good. <laughs> so to start to say that to the nurse, felt really exposing and a bit crazy and I was kind of hearing myself saying like why haven't why haven't you done this before Ellen what's going on um but actually then we had a referral to a psychosexual doctor which was um, a mixed experience I think actually some of the exercises the doctor got us to do I think were really not helpful now understanding more from doing a program with you about 100% safety like it definitely wasn't my experience in that but it was better than what we'd not had before you know it was it was something to be progressing on together would you um, feel would you feel comfortable sharing what those were um we were told to not attempt to have any kind of penetrative sex at all and we were to have twice a week a session where we would have I think it was something like 20 minutes we would take it in turns where one of us would for 20 minutes be free to fully explore the other's body um, anywhere apart from the genital area so he could my husband could touch my body anywhere explore blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I can see your oh, face that's I how I thought it and then I would do the same for him and actually in a way I could kind of cope with, because he's very lovely and very respectful, I could kind of handle what he was doing to and for me in that time. But actually I found it really hard to know what to do for him. And that felt like a massive pressure for me. Um, yeah, so that's that's what we had to do. Mm -hmm. um, it sort of sounds like um, something called sensate. Sen yeah, sensate. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, yeah, I was I was prescribed that as well. Mm. And I think being told to not um, aim to have penetrative sex was was helpful yeah. in that way. It takes the pressure off a bit. But um, yeah, now we know there are many other ways we could have approached that. But but at the time, yeah, it was better than what we hadn't had <laughs> previously. Yeah, it's so hard because we've def like uh, from cultural standpoint, we've defined sex as the penis goes in the vagina. So I'm sure even though you were doing things maybe that could have felt pleasurable, they were all leading up to the main event. And was it going to work? What what was going to happen this time? Did it did it feel like that that you were like a little bit of anticipatory anxiety or maybe a lot, just just all of that leading up to it? Yeah, for sure. I think I felt in some ways like we probably had to be more um, creative and explore each other and our bodies more than probably we would have done had we been able to 
know, <laughs> you know, do a bit of that and then go on to penetrative sex. So I think in that way, we we knew we were, yeah, learning about each other's bodies and exploring. And that was a good thing. But actually, that was always overlaid with the weight of feeling like somehow we're failing at this. Somehow we're just not doing it properly. Somehow we're not real adults. Somehow we're just not compatible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really painful. Even now, I feel emotional, even saying that, like, somehow this great person who I love like we commit to each other we love each other we've done this right like we are good together and somehow this just doesn't work for us and maybe that means there's something wrong with my body maybe that means we're just not good enough together yeah and actually when we had that those appointments with the um psychosexual doctor I remember the first appointment I did have an internal examination and I was told I had a very nice vagina (laughs) which was amazing because I had thought like you just asked you know is there some some like I don't know mechanical blockage is there something that's wrong is there some bit of me that's somehow not quite right inside and whilst it was a an incredible relief to be told actually no everything's fine it was also devastating to think like actually it's just us there's just somehow there's something that we're not doing right or not approaching correctly or something we need to deal with or work on Mm. and that's yeah that's that's a hard situation to be in I think really we want we all want easy answers for these things in life Mm. in our relationships in general or in our sexual relationship we want to feel like there's a fix but there isn't a fix because we're people and we have these incredible bodies and our bodies are complicated and our relationships are complicated and society you know sets us up with all of these hurdles and yeah <laughs> the expectations of what it should be yeah you you i think you had said something earlier it really caught my attention um something like like it it, it it's easier like it we were different. It didn't work as as simple and and easy as other people. And that is the story that we're told, isn't it, about sex? Is that if you love each other, then yeah. it's easy. You just you just um, kiss and you you're really aroused and you have penetrative sex and everyone has an orgasm with no learning no awkwardness no no starts and stops nothing it's just this magical romantic smooth easy beautiful (laughs) experience yeah and it's not no and it's a lie that I think many many couples end up believing in different ways like I was talking to a friend recently who was saying she thinks really she married somebody who she felt safe with never really felt that raw attraction that you know is necessary for a relationship and I said like what what relationships are successful that are based on that like maybe some and good luck to those people yeah but, but actually, you know what about in 30 years when you, you gained weight and lost hair and you're saggy and or when you've had a baby and your body is just all over the place or when you know, the, the man is unable to have an erection or whatever it is, whatever phase of life, there's going to be something that makes it tricky. And I'm just, yeah, I'm so aware that we we are fed this message and this we develop these expectations of what sex will be and what our relationships will be. 
and they're just not realistic and you know they're based on snippets of what we hear from family and friends and what we see in films or we hear in those ridiculous songs and um, you know of you know in your particular you know faith culture or whatever it is you have these expectations of what sex is and what relationships will be but they're not based on the whole of, of reality of a relationship and mm. especially films you know they're, they're just based on that infatuation stage of an early relationship with two incredibly attractive people who you know that's that's just not the norm for a relationship and I think no. I just love to erase that from everybody's collective expectation. Yeah. And I think what we're, what they're trying to emulate, which isn't actually happening because it's, it's make belief. It's not real. Um, is it's, it's like this intensity or excitement almost uh, fakes the enjoyment. Like the enjoyment isn't really happening. And so we're always trying to go back to that intense phase and, mm -hmm is it exciting or is it enjoyable? And I don't think those two always happen at the same time or, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but, but we're watching, we're watching uh, excitement and that that's sometimes a little different. That's um, like, I think about going on a roller coaster. <laughs> I'm somebody who like, there's adrenaline there, you know, the, the countdown you're strapped in. It, it's something that's a little bit different and novel and your heart is racing. You maybe have beads of sweat and you take off and you're just like, you're just thrown into this experience that you have no control over. Is that enjoyment? And I, I wonder about that. I wonder, I, I think it can be, but I don't think it necessarily means it is enjoyable. Anyways, that was a bit of a tangent. Yeah, but I think in we have expectations of ever increasing intensity in a sexual experience. And I think that's something that my husband and I have really just been almost relieved to offer me, <laughs> relieved to just put aside. And I think through doing the course, just realizing that it's okay to feel the feelings in the moment. We don't have to just keep chasing that next level of intensity or that that next stage of arousal. Like we're feeling this now, we've got to move on to the next stage. And because the next, uh, I don't know, acceptable benchmark of this experience is this, you know, we're not kind of just pushing on and on. So I think to let ourselves just enjoy where we are and I know you say to like maximize the pleasure in that experience like just really feel it just really enjoy it and yeah I think for us to <laughs> let go of the idea that you kind of got to wait for the the fairy dust to land on both of us at the same time and be aroused at the same time and you know want the same things like that's that's just not realistic is it so mm. yeah to give permission to just feel what we feel and enjoy what we enjoy and for me to enjoy it and for me to take the lead rather than to worry about where he's at and what he's needing it is a good thing to re-examine this and to give ourselves permission to just do it in our own way and have our own experience rather than the experience we think we should be having mm -hmm. i i don't know what this came to mind but i have been watching for a while now i've been following this couple on youtube and and he has, hmm, what does he have? Anyways, he's he's quite, uh, I think he 
his spine was fused when he was 12. So he stopped growing. He uses a wheelchair. I think they're called squirmy and grubs. I don't know. I think it's their nick- nicknames or something. <laughs> right and she's maybe five, seven, five, eight, gorgeous. And people really struggle believing that they have sex. And that mm-hmm. is the number one thing that they get comments on their videos. And, um, and so they've kind of embraced it and went ahead and started to tell people like, yes, people with disabilities can have a really wonderful sex life, but people have such a narrow understanding of what sex is, that it's so completely out of the range of possibilities that this couple is enjoying intimacy, closeness and connection, however they, it may look like for them or define for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the way you've helped us understand sexual pleasure is about looking for pleasure and connection so we're not just looking for the things that we feel tick the boxes of what are acceptable sexual experiences and sexual feelings and that pleasure and connection together can be found in so many different ways and I actually wrote a note for myself the other day (laughs) sex doesn't have to feel sexy (laughs) which felt just so good to remind myself because I have a very busy head I've got lots going on in my head all the time so when my husband and I are like having time together for just us and we're looking for that yeah time for the xd I have a, um, a pad and pen next to the bed just so whenever my head's just a little bit too full I can scribble it down it's done and I move on and that was like last week that's what I did I just wrote down sex doesn't have to be sexy (laughs) and I felt really liberated just like being able to say that to myself and then say that to my husband like you know this is okay this is all good it doesn't have to be whatever you think whatever we've been told sexy should be we have our experience and we can enjoy that and wherever that time of intimacy leads us wherever that ends up that's okay yeah yeah we have that image of sexy I mean for me it's my environment has to be sexy my room has to be a certain way the candles the the mood lighting and then it needs something I need to be wearing it needs to be a little slightly revealing it needs to be clean (laughs) needs to be (laughs) lacy or something um it's like I need to be wearing makeup I don't know that that makes me think of that my husband I don't know needs to be all like naked and erect or something like that I mean we have a very narrow like what when you say sexy what do you think is that something like that I guess yeah there's something about somehow a bit of mystery like maybe a bit dark and I don't know yeah not wearing a usual clothes like something that's probably a bit uncomfortable and probably isn't you know very easy to move in but looks kind of yeah like you said lacy or for me you know something black or definitely tight obviously revealing something up the bum yeah yeah some piece missing (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then as soon as you feel like you're not doing that or yeah you catch sight of myself in the mirror and like oh I don't look like I feel like I ought to that's gonna just squash all those feelings isn't it yeah gotta let that go yeah Yeah. it it's so amazing to me that we're fed this thing 
that we need to be something other than ourselves to have sex. Yeah. But we're just a couple. We're, we're a couple who, who are busy and maybe we have kids. Maybe we just didn't get to the laundry that day. And so mm-hmm. we've just got something we've been wearing for a couple of days to bed. Real life is in our room. And yeah. that, yeah, maybe not, may not good for TV shows, but that is what's good mm. is life. <laughs> yeah. I think for, we've, um, we've been having XDs, not quite as regularly as we would like. We're really struggling to find a regular time. So we kind of keep trying. We've realized that early afternoons work really well for us to both be alert and in a like reasonable headspace. But there's not a, a lot of early afternoons available to us. So our time. We're working on it. We're working on it. But I think for me, I've realized that yeah this busy head I notice everything so for me I've got these nice cloths so when there's like that heap of stuff on my side of the bed I just got this lovely cloth I drape over it and then done done. and I've realized that the light really matters to me so (laughs) the first time we (laughs) had the XD together I like I was like, right, okay, I'm ready. No, I'm not ready. Ah, I need to move the curtains. Okay, no, I need to turn the light on. No, I need to turn the light off. Like up and down, sorting out the curtains to have just the right amount of light. And then <laughs> all the, the little things, like I was telling myself, oh, it doesn't matter. But actually it, it did matter to me. He didn't care at all. Doesn't matter. And now I just know, like, I'm going to have this time together. My husband will go and make us some really nice coffee. And I'll put the cloths over all the heaps of stuff in the room, arrange the curtains, we've got all the right light. It really makes a difference. It's not what anyone else might see as sexy, but it it's kind of, it works for me. I feel calmer and I feel like I can enjoy my space and that matters for me. So yeah, kind of, I feel like we've given ourselves permission to have the environment that works for us just by covering up the heaps of stuff and getting the right light. And the notepad. Um, the notepad, yeah, yes. that makes kind of yeah like turning up as myself this is who I am this is what I need yeah nice coffee together sit and relax (sighs) yeah yeah so good I love that you included that detailed practical example (laughs) that's so great um yeah I I think it's so important not to ignore our needs and it's so easily for us to think, um, oh, I'm too, I'm too this, like I'm just too needy or too sensitive, or I'm too particular about, I should just get over it, you know, and, and it will bother you and it won't create a relaxing experience. Yeah. And we've been together, we've been married 20 years now. So I think if these things were going to stop mattering to me, they would have stopped by now. And they haven't. <laughs> I have my body. This is my body. This is my brain. And it feels good to be able to acknowledge that. And yeah, just, I think, I think the course has really helped as well, like make peace with my body and the frustrations I have and maybe even forgiving my body as well for that, yeah kind of not been able to do what I would like it to have done especially that early phase in our sexual relationship that just sense of shock and probably just disconnection I'm just not going to think about this we're going to carry on the best we can it's been hard to acknowledge 
the weight of that and the difficulties that brought between us in our relationship. But it, it's been really healthy. And I think in that process, I've been able to forgive my body a bit and just like, you know, being able to have beautiful children. I'm thankful my body can do all these amazing things. I feel strong. I have a really active job. I'm really proud to be able to do that. But we've kind of carried this frustration with this area of my life and this area of my body. And I'm I'm tired of that. I just want to let that go and enjoy what I have and enjoy what I can enjoy with my husband and keep learning and exploring. But with that, I have to acknowledge, like, that's sad. That's made me really sad. And mm -hmm. that's not how I wanted it to be. But that's where we are. And, you know, we can keep learning and growing and working on what I can work on but we can't just keep waiting for things to resolve or be fully better we've got to you know enjoy life and enjoy our bodies and our connection as we are now mm -hmm. it, yeah. and it's also so unfortunate that you were alone during that and and alone with that confusion and those questions because of our culture of shame that that there was no place for you or no friend you could talk to because of shame. And, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> so if you're listening, what would you, so I'm sure there's going to be someone listening right now who is experiencing this and has not mm -hmm. spoken to anybody about it because it's really quite common. What would you say to her? I would say, yeah, don't panic, but don't give up and don't do nothing. These things don't really generally get better <laughs> or change without effort. I was going to say work, that sounds miserable, without effort. You know, it takes some dedication. So, yeah, if if that's what you're experiencing, I guess the first stage would be to go to a doctor or a, um, I don't know, I guess whichever country in, sexual health clinic in Britain, um, to express some of that. I guess for me, I didn't have friends at that stage. I could have talked about those things. But I, I know now if anybody were to want to talk to me about any of those things, I would be more than happy to. So maybe people were in my life that I could have talked to. I just didn't know. I just didn't feel like that was an option. So maybe I'd say, be brave, just start a conversation with somebody. You don't need to say the whole thing. You could just say, oh, things are difficult for us. And just a bit of compassion might help you feel like you could then take the next step, getting some professional help. Yeah. But it's it also, I guess, having difficulty in your sexual relationship doesn't mean that your relationship overall isn't valid. You can have a really great and healthy relationship without having any sexual contact that's definitely been my experience for periods of our relationship especially around having children and breastfeeding postnatal depression there's definitely periods where I felt like I didn't want to share my body with anybody <laughs> not even my children <laughs> I had to um but yeah you can have a good and meaningful relationship and a meaningful sexual relationship without penetrative sex and I know there's plenty of women on the course who have you know said that's been their experiences for periods of their life and that 
yeah, there are different ways of enjoying your connection and to keep, it's important to keep um, investing in your relationship rather than withdrawing, thinking it's not working, this isn't good for us. There's always ways you can grow together in your relationship and in your physical relationship, but overall, like keeping that connection, that loving openness together. Mm. I think it's really important. And you're not alone. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. This is a incredibly common experience. Have you come to any conclusions about about what it's about? Like, is it the sort of the psychological piece? Is it the physical piece? Is it the... Yeah, no real conclusions, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll get back to that in a few years. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't think the medical community has come to any sort of conclusions either about it. There, no. there's some pieces around pelvic floor physiotherapy and did you yeah. did you try um dilators and that sort of thing um I I did buy some myself but I I guess I realized that I didn't really know quite what I should be doing <laughs> with them particularly just like you were saying because I don't really know what it is I'm trying to progress through or from so so yes but I yeah I have actually I'm asked to have a referral for pelvic floor physiotherapy in NHS in Britain it's the the sexual function issues are not really very commonly dealt with by these Mm. um yeah these type of NHS clinics so I've I started the process we'll see where it goes but I guess there's a possibility of looking at private um yeah private practice in future but I feel like for now for me it's really important to learn and enjoy in the relationship we're in now rather than waiting Mm -hmm. for something to be better or to you know change whatever got to enjoy who I am and who we are now in the body that I have now in the relationship that we have now right like pleasure and connection is always possible wherever you're at in your relationship wherever you're at with your body Mm -hmm. telling my future self this as well you know when menopause really hits hard (laughs) I think I'm on my way (laughs) but you know all of these changes come especially for women our bodies go through cycles of changes all the time and I think if we wait to feel entirely good in our bodies or entirely healthy or entirely you know sexually ready we're gonna miss out on so much we have to I think it's important to keep choosing to enjoy what we can in our lives and in our bodies now yeah and go for pleasure and connection versus an activity like a certain action and letting that define you know where you know I think even in my sexual experience we don't often have penetrative sex because I don't often find it's that some something that I want so you know sex can look yeah whole variety of ways and that's the same for women who can't have orgasms I think it's a it's a similar thing you know where it's like that becomes the center of everything I need to prove that my body works by having an orgasm and then then I'm only going to be able to enjoy sex then and the focus is on there and there's a lot of rumination and anxiety of course there is because what what is culture told us but what what yeah. matters so 
I think your advice is good for anybody who's experiencing anything slightly out of the kind of quote unquote normal range. But I guess there's that tension, isn't there, between not settling or not, mm-hmm. I don't know, kind of giving up, like, oh, this is it for me. I'm, I'm never going to feel that feeling. I'm never going to be able to enjoy that element of a, you know, sexual experience. Oh, well, that's it for me. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, accepting, like, I can enjoy things now and there is so much goodness and nourishment available for me now. So getting the tension on that is hard, but I think it's important to try and hold those two together, yeah. to not give up and just go, you know, I've missed out on that, that, you know, I'm broken, full stop. But yeah, keep holding on to the the opportunity. There's always more opportunity for pleasure and connection. And yeah, joy, hopefully joy to be found in that. Yeah, I really, yeah, I'm really grateful that you highlighted that, that both things are, you know, you can do both things at once. And that there will be periods of time where you just think, oh, forget it. I don't want to advance this anymore. And and then there will be periods of time where you're like, no, I'm going to really focus on it. And it is something that I want to experience. And yeah. Is there anything yeah. else that you wanted to make sure we talked about today? I know you had taken a few notes, not to put you on the spot. <laughs> I've always got notes. Um, yeah, I think when I have told a few friends that I've done this course it's been amazing to have conversations about that and yeah just feel free to say a bit about what I'm learning and challenge some of the perceptions that we have I think the thing that I have said that has been the most amazing for me has been to feel like actually I feel like for the first time my body is my own I think from doing this course, I realized I have power over and in my own body for the first time. And that is not what I was really expecting to feel through this course. I was trying to keep, you know, open mind, not have any definite expectations, whatever it was, it wasn't this. And I think I realized that, like, from being a child, I, the family I grew up in, I was, you know, told what to do, where to go, what to wear, who to hug you know, how to, even what tone of voice to use. Like it's a very loving family, but clear, very clear expectations. My mum even chose what socks and hair bubbles I wore, like, you know, everything. I didn't get choice about my body. And then kind of growing up and that experience of, I was quite shy and self-conscious, so I didn't feel very confident in my body. And then teenage years of, you know, we're, we're told it's a good thing when boys start to take interest and maybe want to touch my body or get close to me. That wasn't really what I wanted, but, you know, that was something I I felt I had to accept as a, you know, as, as kind of a marker of approval. And, you know, this is what happens when you're a teenager and then, you know, into having a boyfriend and future relationships. Like, actually, I felt like I didn't choose those things. I just had to accept they were happening to me or they were necessary in that type of situation. And whilst I've never really experienced sexual abuse as such, I I, I still really hadn't realised how um, I didn't feel I had power over my body and didn't have control. Even in my loving marriage, I realised that there were so many little touches and um, physical contact my husband would make with me that was really for his benefit <laughs> and it wasn't necessarily welcomed by me and I think realizing that I can say no thank you or just no 
in general has been amazing as well as in our intimate time together it's been so liberating to just say actually no thank you I'm not interested in that or I just need some space and it's been hard for him it's been quite a journey for him to hear that and not feel that as a rejection of him and a rejection of his offer of what he would see as an offer of love and approval and showing his affection for me but for me that wasn't what I wanted um yeah so feeling my body is my own is quite amazing (laughs) and I hadn't realized how necessary that was and I've yeah I feel like I've made a few changes in how I spend my time as a result of that and just doing things that I I might have felt a bit self-conscious about about maybe how my body looked or how my body would perform like I like paddle boarding but I was quite self-conscious about doing it in times when there might be other people around and you know actually now I'm like no it's my body I'm just gonna do this I'm gonna enjoy this because it feels good in my body and I feel proud of myself when I do it I think yeah I feel yeah empowered to do that more and like more like I, I believe that's okay for me or more than okay it's important for me to choose those things Hmm. I feel really thankful for that and like I just want to tell my (laughs) tell people your body's your own enjoy it use it be proud of it I love it I also love how you were um you know people can't see the video but when you were talking about it you reached over and almost like gave yourself a hug this whole time and I just thought oh yes it is (laughs) it is your own and you're you're in it together and wow so many places we're told as women that our bodies are not our own and they are for other people's enjoyment and sort of consumption so thank you yeah yeah Yeah, that was a lovely place to end thank you so much Ellen for having the courage to share your story I am sure there are women who have listened to this and just crying tears of relief for, for you know for hearing your story and not feeling alone so thank you so much That's great. Thank you. It was great to talk. All right. Thank you, everyone. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye for now. If you've enjoyed this episode, I have a favor to ask of you. It's really hard to get the word out about a podcast about sex. What would really, really help is if you would leave a rating and a review. And I know that you get asked this all the time in different podcasts, but please, I beg you, it would really, really help so that more women who need this message will hear it. All you have to do is go into your Apple podcast app. It's the purple icon. And if you go to the podcast page where it shows my face, and has a little button that says latest episodes. If you scroll down past the episodes and you get to a section called ratings and reviews, there's a little purple writing thing that says write a review. If you click on that, it will ask you to give it a five stars. Actually, you can put any stars, but five is what I would love. And put a title and then write your review. Thank you so much for supporting this little venture here and I really am so grateful. If you are curious about wanting it more and how this program could help you want and enjoy sex more with your husband and you feel like it may be a great next step for you, you can go to janetdentonhouse.com slash wanting it more to sign up for the wait list, to learn more, to see when we're running our next round. All right, that's it. I'll see you next one.